down through there. But you should be in your Bible in Matthew chapter uh, 22. As usual, we'll start with uh, answering a couple questions that were turned in. Question number one, even though we need to lay down God's law, is asking our child what he thinks okay or wrong? Uh, I think there's a big difference as a parent when you're enforcing God's laws and the laws of your household. Uh, we, we have both. But it's really important that for you and your child that you understand the difference in the laws of your household and, and, and God's laws. Uh, and when we get into discipline, we'll, we'll talk about this in more detail. But uh, in my opinion, I, I think it's wise for every parent to allow their child to respectfully uh, speak to them. You know, and the older your children get, I have no issue with you talking about uh, what's going to happen as a result of, you know, what's going on. Uh, the issue is not do you talk about it. The issue is who's opinion prevails when there's a difference of opinion. Listen, your child is almost never going to think that they deserve what they have coming. And to let them respectfully talk to you about it, I mean, I see no issue with that. You know, disrespectful talk back or, or, uh, I mean, that's a different story. But I think, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to communication in, in a home, you know, we need to learn to communicate when we don't agree. And that, that's a good life skill to give your child. You know, a lot of people, they get in marriage someday, and they've never learned to respectfully talk without yelling uh, about a situation where they don't agree. And, you know, you start training your kids uh, about that when, 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 when they're a kid. You know, uh, I'm not talking about a five-year-old. I mean, I, when your kids are 12 and 13 and 15 and 17, you know, it, it's just important that uh, they get that life skill, and that's one of the ways they get it, in my opinion. Now, if you want to run your house and you don't ever let them say anything, you have that prerogative. You know, God made you the authority there. Now, I don't personally think that's a wise way to use your authority, but you can if you want. Question number two, our son is slightly autistic and is very rules-based. When things don't go his way, he yells things like, I hate you, you're not my boss. How do I establish um, parental authority? Uh, this question really brings up a, what I would call a, a fundamental issue of, of parenting, and that's this. Do we handle our children the way we want to handle our children, or do we handle our children the way they need to be handled? And it is really easy to just decide, I'm going to handle my child the way I want to handle them. But the thing of it is, is sometimes there's a difference in the way we want to handle them and the way they actually need to be handled. You know, there's some kids, and they will thrive in a home without a lot of structure that's handled more loosely. And then there's other kids, I mean, you literally, I mean, you're going to have to sit in their lap <laughs> doing homework. You're going to have to have everything really, really structured in order for them to thrive. And the goal as a parent is not to do what you feel like doing. It's to do what your children really need. That's what a leader does. You become what the people who lead you really need. And so uh, I personally think all children need some structure, and there's some children uh, especially those with some touch of autism to some degree or another, they may need a lot of structure, and you've got to produce that for their security and for their future. Uh, I don't care what the issue is. It is never acceptable for a child to say things like, I hate you. 
uh, and you need to bring some kind of discipline when, when that kind of stuff happens. Yes, some, some children, they are tougher to raise than others. But no child that God gave you is too tough for you to raise. Uh, God picked you for their parent, and he picked them for your child. And so the sooner you recognize that and begin to try to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to raise this child well, the, the, the better off uh, you'll, we, you'll be. Question number three, how do I handle an older child who's not been raised in church? Uh, do I make them come? Uh, as I mentioned last week and tried to really get into everybody's head, it, it would be nice always to be able to start where we want to start instead of where we are. Uh, but it doesn't matter what the issue is. If you're trying to fix an issue in your marriage, you don't get to start where you want to start. You start where you are. Uh, if you're trying to fix something in, in, in your children, you don't get to start where you want to start. You have to start where you are. And um, if where you are is they've never been in, in church, and I've had uh, parents do this. They get saved. Uh, they want to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night, and their 17-year-old is resistant. Um, you know what? Start where you are. Uh, a, I would make it worth their while with positive things when they do come. You may disagree with this, but in my opinion, if I had a 17- or 18-year-old child and they were in my house and that was my circumstance, I would make them come once a week. I wouldn't force them to come every week, but I would want them to come every week and they would know that. And, um, you know, you may disagree with that. I don't hear that for... Uh, the fact that I don't think it's important that uh, you come to church every service. I, I, I think you'll stay most healthy spiritually when you come back Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I get that people don't do that. Uh, start uh, where you are. Um, you know, keeping our children in church uh, is an important part for their future. Listen, uh, God doesn't very often speak to some kid who is out to two in the morning and sleeps to noon. Uh, but anybody who comes and sits where somebody teaches and preaches the Bible, God speaks their heart. They're listening at all. And so keeping them in the right place is an important uh, thing uh, to do. You re remember this. When, whenever you're deciding to do something, uh, you have to think about, okay, what do I have to lose? What do I have to gain? And uh, sometimes what you have to gain is not worth what it's going to cost to make it happen. Now, sometimes it is, and you've got to dig your heels in, and you stand firm, and you, and you just take it in the face. You've got to do that sometimes. But you know what? When, when you do that over every issue, that, that's not wise parenting. And um, uh, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Uh, first, uh, number one, many parents are finding out that a pat on the back helps develop character if given often enough, early enough, and low enough. Uh, number two, uh, many children threaten to run away from home at times. Uh, this is the only thing that keeps some parents going. A <laughs> uh, couple of actual serious thoughts about uh, parenting. Uh, number one, uh, be very careful where, when, and how you intervene in your children's relationships with other children. I, I wish I, I could just stop there and we could all go home. Um, <laughs> Number two, make sure that your example is consistent with your message. Uh, number three, your children have just as much of a free will as you do and did as a teenager. Uh, number four, only believe half of what you hear from your children. 
Uh, even the best child's telling their half of the story. And um, those are just some things to think about. Today we're in work week three of 12. Uh, you know, I'm no big expert on this. I've seen a lot. I do want to help you. Uh, and there's probably nothing uh, in life other than the Lord about which we're more passionate than our children and how they're handled, and, and that's a, a good thing. And remember, our foundational issue is simply this. Does God really know what will produce a better life for my child than I do? And the obvious answer to that is yes. And then last week we just finished talking about the most important thing we teach our children, which is respect and obedience to rightful authority. Remember, if you and I fail in this, our children will fail in their relationship with God, they will fail in the church, they will fail in their employment, they will fail in school, they will fail in society, they will fail in the workplace. And that is a foundational issue for their life. So today we're going to move on to the second most important thing to teach our children, which is how to have healthy relationships. Uh, I hope you understand that having good relationships and being popular are very different things. Uh, I don't believe it's important whether our children are popular or, or not. In fact, I pretty much believe that you're never going to be all that popular if you're really a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, because for the most part, the world is not going the same way God is going. But that does not mean that our children can't have healthy relationships. This is an important thing to teach them. I wanted this to log in your mind. No matter how successful your children are in life, I mean, I don't care how much money they make, I don't care how big of a job they have, I don't care what kind of a uh, PhD they have uh, behind their name, if their relationships are a mess... They're going to live a painful life. And money and success in life, they cannot erase the pain of your personal relationships being a mess. And so uh, we want our children to succeed in life, and so th this is a key thing. And so we begin to ask ourselves this question, how can I help my child build healthy relationships? It should be in your Bible in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 35. It says, then one of them, Matthew 22:35. then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Uh, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, most of you know that the Jews had broken the commandments of Moses up into uh, 613 separate commandments. By the way, they're, they're legit. You, you can Google... 613 commandments of the law of Moses, and they'll list them for you. Uh, it's legit. Uh, Moses broke down those 632 commandments into 10 summary commandments. We're familiar with them. God wrote them with his finger on tables of stone. Uh, we know what they are. And Jesus here breaks those 10 commandments down into two commandments. Notice the most important of those from verse 37. Uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. That's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. According to Jesus, the first and greatest commandment is to love God. By the way, the first four of the Ten Commandments are all summaries of that. 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And when you love God, you do those things. Uh, when it comes to relationships, the first and most important relationship to emphasize uh, with our children is their relationship with God. It's the most important commandment God gave. The second most important commandment there, he, Jesus mentioned there in verse 39, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And there he's quoting Leviticus 19.18. Uh, healthy relationships with people flow from a healthy relationship with God. Now people can have good relationships with other people without a relationship with God. We all know people that do that. But it is always because they handle those relationships in the way that God told us to handle those relationships. If you, have a, you can have a relationship with Jesus, you can be genuinely saved, but if you don't handle the people in your life like God said to handle people, you will live a miserable life in all your relationships and you'll die and go to heaven. That's not what we want. Uh, think about this. Who can build a healthy relationship on evolutionary's foundational principle, survival of the fittest? <laughs> I mean, think about how our marriages and our homes and our culture would be if everybody actually lived out, this life is all there is, and whatever I do to anybody else, as long as it betters me or my future, it doesn't matter. That's survival of the fittest. And, and by the way, uh, our culture, as it continues to reject the God of the Bible and reject God as our creator and God being the lawgiver, that's what you see going on increasingly. I think here, we don't have to turn anywhere, I think all of us understand that New Testament believers in Jesus, we are taught to be loving and kind and tender-hearted and forgiving towards one another. And those things work in relationships, whether God is in our life or not. Now, unfortunately, some churches focus uh, on these relationships out of order, and their focus is on having people have good, a good family and being a good neighbor and being a good citizen, and those are matter. But understand, the first and great commandment is not to love your neighbor as yourself. The first and great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. And there's a lot of people, and they struggle in their relationship with God and other people on a regular basis. Listen, it's not easy to have a healthy relationship with God. God wants us all to have one, but it's not easy because we have to battle our flesh, our natural desires constantly to have a healthy relationship with God. And it's also not easy to have healthy relationships with people because we have that same terrible natural disposition, and they do too. And so it's always going to be difficult, but to do these and to train our children to do so is one of the most important things we do as parents. Now, probably, everybody sitting in a Sunday morning Bible class on parenting at a church like this one understands and agrees with everything I just said. Yes, I agree. Uh, the relationship with God is the most important. To love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's the most important thing. To love my neighbor, to love people, yes, that's the second most important thing. We, we likely agree on that, but it brings up this good question. How do I teach my children to love God with all their heart and all their soul 
their mind and strength. Listen, if that's the greatest commandment and we don't teach our children to do that, we're not teaching our children to do the most important thing that Jesus said to do. And so today I want to cover uh, teaching our children to love God and next week, Lord willing, I want to talk about teaching our children to love and get along with other people. Now, we spent a couple weeks talking about the importance of teaching them to respect and obey rightful authority. Here's the thing, is that for a while at least, especially when they're younger, we can force them to do that. But ultimately, if someone's going to love God, you can't force someone to love God or people. This is a choice they're going to have to make. But even though you and I can't force our children to love God, there are things we can do to point them in the right direction. Just like there are things we can do that actually will point them away from loving God. Because remember, in everything, we're teaching our children far more by our example than our words. And that is especially true when it comes to their relationship with God. Both adults and children are supposed to love God. (laughs) Now, if you think about it, uh, a child can love God, but they can't love God the same way that a mature adult can love God. It's kind of like... Is a teenage couple's, can their love for each other be real? Yeah. Well, is that love going to have the same depth of a couple who have been happily married for 50 50 years? No. It's like the difference in a four-ounce cup of orange juice and a gallon. And God wants us all to love God. He wants us all to love Him. It's a wonderful thing to do. But our capacity to do that increases. How do I teach my children? How do I point my children toward loving God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength? Uh, First, please go back in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Remember, our example is the most powerful thing we have. I mean, you can say ten times a day to your kid, love God, love God, love God, love God. And it isn't going to matter if they don't see that in your example. How can I do that? Number one, make God himself a priority in your own life and theirs when you have a choice. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye, what's the next word there? First. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek God first and all these other things in the context there that is clothing and shelter and and food god will take care of that when you seek him first you know there's some things god has left here that represent him uh and how we treat those things really really matters say what do you mean i'm talking about like the church the bible marriage home his people I mean, those are all direct reflections of him. And we could spend time in Scripture talking about how those are directly a reflection of him. But, but the way we treat those things, in essence, is directly related with the way we treat God, the way, the way we treat Jesus. Church, Bible, marriage, home, his people. I mean, without fanfare, uh, pray before your meals at, at bedtime, before important events and decisions. Do that like it's a part of who you really are. 
Your, your children are watching. Uh, treat the Lord's Day with a special respect as more than just a family day or your day off. Without fanfare, like you're not ringing a bell, just some t- talk about what God means to you. Talk about your salvation. Talk about your ministry. Ta- talk about how what you're doing is being impacted by God's Word. Please, if you want to teach your children to love God, don't be the kind of person who only sort of breaks God out of their trunk like a spare tire when trouble comes. I mean, you're not teaching your children to love God when you break God out in your life when there's trouble, and then when the trouble's gone, you put Him back in the trunk. Listen, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and treat God that way, but if you love God, you can't treat God that way. I hope you understand believing God and loving God are two very, very different things. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And there are a lot of people who do that. But loving God is something that those who have chosen to believe choose to do. And unfortunately, everybody who believes doesn't love. Treat your relationship with Christ as the most important relationship you have. Talk about it to your children. Let them see you set aside time to pray. Let them see you set aside time to read your Bible. Let them watch you make sure, uh, you you know, you're just there and on the dining room table is a pile of stuff and something's on top of your Bible. You, You don't have to say anything, just go over and set the Bible on top. See, every time you do things like that, what what you're doing, what you're teaching your children is, well, you know what? God and the things of God, they matter to me. I mean, they're watching what it takes to get you to stop what you've told them is right to do. I hope you understand the real measure of the depth of our faith is what it takes to get us to stop doing it. What does it take to have you miss reading your Bible? I'm on vacation. What does it take to get you to stop praying? What does it take to get you to not come to church? They're watching what you do, and and literally you are mentoring for them what it really means to follow God. This is how we teach them to, to love God. How else can I make God himself a priority in my, my life? Um, you know, when they're younger, at the, at the, every day, take time to pray with them. Tell them Bible stories. Teach them every, every night, biblical laws and principles. I, 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 every night uh, I, I went up and sat down with our kids, we prayed with them, told them Bible stories, and made a little bit of game out of this or that. It, we, we made it fun. Uh, when they're older and you can't do that, um, I got our boys up uh, I was 10 or 15 minutes early before school. Now, you may disagree with this. In my opinion, I mean, if your kid is in church, you know, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and, and Wednesday night, uh, you know what, you don't need to have a 40-minute family devotion every day. Now, go ahead and have it. You have the authority to do that in your home. I never felt the necessity to do that. We just, uh, every morning before school, I got them up early. Everybody got their Bibles out, and uh, we picked a place to read. I let them take turns, and we would read like three or four verses apiece, one at a time, going around, and I might make some 60 or 90 cent 
second comment on what we read. Now, if you want to do more than that, go ahead. I'm just saying it ought to be obvious to them that God's a priority in your life, God himself. Um, Pray before meals at home. Pray before meals in a restaurant. When you're in an environment you can't control, uh, bow your head and silently pray. Uh, I mean, some of our family, are they're not saved. And if we were at their house, I didn't say, hey, listen now, I want everybody to bow your head and pray. You know, you can do that. You just bow your head and, and pray. And you're not doing it so your kid is watching. You do that because your relationship to God matters to you. And when your relationship with God matters to you, you just do that. And over the years, as your children watch you, they figure out, you know what, my mom really does love God. Make sure they see you paying some kind of a price to follow your faith. Let them see you tithe when it's tough to tithe. Let them see you come to church when you're tired. Let them see you fulfill your ministry when they know you've had a hard day. This is how we point the arrow. There are a hundred excuses to not be committed to the things that God left that specifically represent him. Live a joyful, victorious Christian life. Listen, you don't make the Christian life attractive when they watch you moan and complain about going to church and moan and complain about doing your ministry and moan and complain about, about, about life. Listen, every one of us, sometimes we catch ourselves murmuring. But the basic tone of our life, you know what? Your, 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 your child ought to say, you know what? Wow, you know what? If, if I lived like my mom and dad lived, it'd be okay. I'm not talking about money. If I had the relationship my mom and dad have, I, I would be okay with that home. If I was as happy in my life as my mom and dad were, I'd be okay with that life. See, see, that's what I'm talking about. That they see the real priority of Jesus in our life. I mean, think about this. Um, at most, if you go to every service, you're in church four hours a week, and maybe, maybe depending on where you live, you've got three, four hours of drive time. You know, so you're talking about eight hours a week, and the average person is awake 112 to 126 hours a week. And so what goes on here, it matters a lot, but listen, we are pointing the arrow. Make God a priority in your own life. How can I teach my children to love God? Number two, go back in your Bible to Exodus chapter 10. And this is the answer to a real big temptation that all of us have as parents. And depending on our disposition and personality and and past, we can tend to one side of this or, or the other. Here's number two. Defend who God is and what God does in the world around you and in your life. Defend who God is and what God does in the world around you and in your life. It's kind of an interesting command here and an interesting place. In Exodus chapter 10, uh, in verse 1, notice what it says. Amen. Here. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, and I have hardened his heart, 
and the heart of his servants, that I might shew these my signs before him. By the way, circle or underline this next verse in, in your Bible in some way if you do that kind of stuff. It says, And that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's sons what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Do you, do you see what he's saying here? He says, Teach your children and your grandchildren what I did here. Now, I want to just pause and put this into context. What did God do there? Uh, he killed fish, amphibians, cows, sheep. He destroyed the trees and all the things that were green. <laughs> Anybody that didn't have the blood of the, first, uh, of the lamb in their door, their firstborn died. God says, teach your kids and your grandkids what I did here. Teach them who I really am. Um, Present all of God's attributes instead of those you like best. See, now, depending, again, depending on our background, you know, sometimes some people have this idea that, well, you know what, Uh, I don't want people to see what people would call the meaner side of God. And so I'm going to just teach my kids that God loves them and God will forgive them and God is merciful and God is gracious. And in the end, what that does is produces a child who, A, doesn't know the real God of the Bible and, B, has a warped view of the effect of sin on their life and a warped view of what God thinks about sin. Um, and by the way, a lot of times people who were from abusive backgrounds or uh, felt like they were not treated well in a church, you know, they tend towards that side. And then you've got people on the other side of the spectrum, and all they do is they teach their kid to fear God. Like God is this big ogre, and they're like so afraid that if they teach their child that God is love and God forgives and God is merciful and God is gracious, that somehow their child is going to just live this terrible life. And so what they do, they warp their view of God (laughs) both are bad God is who he is and by the way if we make up God or only teach them half about the true God we've not really taught them about the true God God is who he is we don't need to sugarcoat him. We, 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 we don't need to change him. We need to just present him as he has presented himself. That way, if they believe on him and trust him and live for him, they're following the true God, not a God of their imagination. Uh, instead of criticizing the way God handles situations, defend him. I didn't say I understand why stuff happens. I think your child can either watch you get angry at the way God does this or doesn't do that, or they can hear you say, do you know what? I really don't understand what God is doing here, but I trust him. Listen, they're teaching our children two very, well, God let such and so die. I can't believe he did that. That's not how you teach your children to love God. There's not a, a, a thoughtful human being who doesn't sometimes just step back and say, man, I don't know why God did that. I don't know why he took them. I don't know why he let them live. I don't know why he let them get sick, and I don't know why they're healthy. I, I, I don't know. 
by faith, I trust God. Accept and speak positively about God's view of yourself, your children and mankind. Listen, I'll own up to the fact that your nature is fallen. <laughs> that you're just a sinner. Accept God's love for rich and poor. Including love for people that you and I just would see, soon see executed. It, it, listen. Accept who God has made you and them to be and who he's not made you to be. This this is how we teach our children to accept and believe and love and follow God. Number three, go back in your Bible to Matthew chapter 15 and we'll wrap it up. We've got about five minutes. And then you'll be able to turn in any questions you have. Matthew chapter 15. How do I teach my children uh, to love God? How do I point them uh, towards that? Make God himself a priority in your own life and theirs whenever you have a choice. Defend who God is and what God does in the world and in your life. And here's number three. You should be in your Bible in Matthew chapter 15. Never let it be acceptable for you or them to not attempt to do what you do from your heart. That's what Jesus says to the religious people of his day in Matthew 15, verse 7. He said, you hypocrites. By the way, Jesus here is not being the gooseball Jesus. He says, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah, Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Notice their external stuff was fine, but their heart was not, and that was not acceptable to Jesus. Remember this, our target as we train our children is always their heart. Listen, I get that we can't actually change their heart. All we can do is modify their behavior. But our target is not their behavior. Our target is their heart. And that is especially true in spiritual issues. See, when our heart is on Jesus, the Word of God, the Lord's people, those things produce right behavior and right attitudes. It is not enough to go through the motions of faith and faithfulness to point our children towards loving God. By the way, your children watch you enough. They know whether you're just going through the motions or whether your heart is really in what you're doing for Christ. Cold, dead religion in parents has pointed many children away from God. We must have heart, not just lip service. So how do I do that? Well, talk to your children about the the struggles you have with your own heart. Watch them. Let them watch you have it not be acceptable in your own life to just go through motions. Talk about it. Listen for things that they complain about needing to do. (laughs) Because when they're complaining about something they're supposed to do, it's actually a reflection that they don't want to do it from their heart. 
Listen, if your child never wants to go to church, doesn't want the, is not interested in the Bible, not interested in prayer, I don't care if they said a phrase when they were seven or five years old. Something's wrong with their heart. Anybody in whose heart Christ actually dwells, they have some spiritual interests. Now I know loving God is ultimately a choice they make. But you and I as parents can lead them to these choices, but we cannot force them. And your example makes all the difference in the world. And by the way, just to give you a heads up, it's actually a hard thing if your children really love God as a parent. Because here's what's going to happen. If your children really love God, that means some of the other children are not going to like what they do. I'm not talking about they don't like what they do because they're unsociable or they're mean or anything. I'm talking about anybody who has a heart for God, they become targets of everyone else who doesn't have a heart for God. And as a parent, you have to let that happen. Because that's a part of what it means to love God in a world that does not love God. Also, sometimes it's tough because it's going to make other people and other children think less of them. By the way, that's a hard thing as a parent. If you have just young children, you don't get it yet. But I'm just saying this. You and I and our children loving God is the most important commandment there is in the Bible. And so this becomes awfully important for you and I to model and teach them. Amen? Next week we'll talk about uh, teaching them to love other people and get along. And uh, you should have a yellow paper. Just write some kind of a question or comment on it and turn it in up here in the front on the step. God bless you.